This episode of Inside the Goblin Universe brought to you by SeatsLink.com, the complete ticket experience. Use promo code GOBLINS with your purchase. SeatsLink.com. Hi, this is Al Cianariga from the founder of the Bronxville Paranormal Society and co-director of the New York State UFO Project. And you're listening to Inside the Goblin Universe with Brian Bowden and Ron Murphy. Hello again, goblins, and welcome to another edition of Inside the Goblin Universe. I am one of your hosts. My name is Ronald Murphy. I am the other host, Sir Brian Bowden. Ron, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a great day. I'm, I'm really excited about this uh, upcoming show. How are, how you, know, are you doing? I, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited about the show. I'm excited about the guest. Very rarely do we have a UFO only show, yes. and I'm, I'm excited about I'm excited about this happening. But uh, the last time we talked uh, last week, uh, I believe that we were having a bit of a snowstorm. We were having some Skype difficulties oh with God. sound. Yes, everything seems to be going on okay right now. Uh, looking out my window, it is a uh, 50 degrees outside with sun and no sight of snow anywhere. So I think things are looking up for me. Well, it's bikini weather. It's got to be bikini weather. <laughs> Between you and our special guest where he lives up in Canada, um, I'm only joking, he doesn't live in Canada. Um, <sighs> you guys have enough snow this year to last a lifetime. So, um, Oh, man. Yeah, it, it actually we had accumulation in 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 the you know this late in April, and I've never seen this happen before. But I, I went through some of the records to make sure that this wasn't some sort of aberration or or foretelling of something to come. You know, some sort of magnetic pole shifting. Uh, but according to all the records that I was able to uh, accumulate uh, in Pennsylvania, it can uh, snow uh, up until the middle of May. And we can get snow accumulation at the middle of September. So anybody thinking about putting in a pool or buying a motorcycle in Western Pennsylvania, <laughs> beware, because you only have about four months out of the entire year where there's zero chance of snowfall. And hence why I'm not in Pennsylvania right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, think about this. Think of a place that snows all the time, that the summers are ungodly hot, and uh, and we have no beach around us. Think about and, that. And, That's and, what you're looking and at. And you have a large uh, 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 population of cryptids. <laughs> we, yeah, well, there's, there's fairies there's, there's, and strange like UFOs and, and craziness. Absolutely. I, so there's no better place for me to be in. Uh, I'm just lacking the ocean and a better uh, climate. Well, we're going to have a good climate in, in coming up in May. I mean, we're, I'm looking to the May weather, and let's just bring in a special guest. I mean, I'm wearing, I'm wearing two hats today because, uh, yes, I am a co-host of Inside the Goblin Universe, but I also am part of one of the best uh, investigating teams I've ever been and worked with, Bronxville Paranormal Society, and our founder and leader, Al Santariga. Al, welcome. Uh-oh, I'll dropped out. Oh, he better not have dropped no, out. No, no, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. That's it, thank uh, you, thank you for having me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I was going to give you a whole bunch of accolades uh, whenever Brian said, you know, one of the best uh, uh, organizations out there. Yes. Guys, from all the stuff that I've, I, I've seen of your research, that's truly the case. You get a lot of responses, uh, you document a lot of activities, so, you know, I, I need my, hats, my hat off to you, although I'm not wearing a hat. I'll use one of Brian's hats because he's wearing two. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm very very glad to have you on the show with me today, my friend. Oh, thank you, Ronald. Uh, you know, I couldn't do it without Brian. Brian is the, is the man that makes all the magic happen when it comes to technology. And oh. without him, without him, I'm nobody. I'm blessed yeah, without, right now. 
Yeah, without Brian right now, I would be talking in my underwear in my living room to absolutely nobody because he's the one that does the show. So he's the one that records everything. So, you know, I'm excited to have uh, him as part of, uh, of, of the Inside the Goblin Universe as well, too. But let's talk about... About we'll talk about your investigations and your research and everything like that in a bit. But let's get right to Pine Bush. Tell me all about this place. Yep. It's a very small town. It's in New York. You know, let us in on the wonderful world of Pine Bush, New York. Give him the scoop, Al. Well, Pine Bush, Pine Bush is like the UFO capital of the Northeast. They've been having sightings here for hundreds of years. Um, it's a little town with a farming community originally, but um, I believe personally, just my gut feeling um, that it has to do with the ley lines that run through the town. There's also stone chambers that are in that are in the woods in the town. They even have these um, caves. They're called the ice crystal caves, and uh, so I'm thinking all of this stuff together is one of the reasons why there's so many UFO sightings in that community. I like it. I, I like that idea. Um, the last time we had you on the on the show, well, we were discussing the stone chambers. And, of course, a lot of my research is dealing with the idea and the notion of ley lines. And that makes perfect sense. These are natu- natural uh, energy points on the Earth's energy grid where these things seem to tap into. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, yep. why do you think they tap into it? Do you think that it's it's um, it's for fueling reasons? Do you think it's a way to manifest itself uh, visually? What do you think the idea behind the tapping into deals with? Because I remember back in the seventies, in my neck of the woods in Western Pennsylvania, there was a rash of UFO sightings around a particular uh, mountain range, and people were suggesting that they were, you know using it for fuel purposes and things. What do you think is going on there? Yeah, um, you know, it's all speculation, of course, but I think it has to do with some kind of energy source. I think they're they're feeding off of some kind of energy source. I don't know what that energy is, but um, definitely an energy source. Yeah, well, Very cool. One of the theories I've always had about ley lines and some of these mountains that these... Um, these craft are getting going into or attracted to is I think if you go deeper under the Earth's crust where uh, you know you have the the energy for the the planet you know stored some of these areas I think are are filled with uh, minerals and and deposits and crystals and quartz I think it just goes there it kind of like it's like attracted to a certain area it's like big pockets and I think the technology that some of these 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 um, cryptids you would say or ufos or alien craft are using actually draws from that they need those it's it's i I think think star trek when when they always have problems it's always the the lithium crystals that are messed up you know everything's a crystal based thing so it wouldn't be such a far fetch to think that there are minerals and crystals there that these craft need no absolutely i agree 100 percent. it's kind of like a magnetic pull you know almost And what is interesting, whenever people go to these sites, a lot of investigators do indeed use crystals to see how they work, whether they be pendulums or what have you. Uh, So that's that's a very interesting theory. There's some sort of magnetic force where these certain types of elements are drawn together. And I I think when you get to some of the other places like Stonehenge and Machu Picchu and and what have you, you know, think of think of it. Uh, most of, which since we're talking about UFOs, you'll always see UFOs gathering around volcanoes that are about to erupt. 
and it looks like they're actually going into the volcano while it's erupting. So there must be some kind of uh, energy transference that's taking place there. I don't think it's just an uh, observational uh, exercise. I think they're really pulling some energy or potential energy out of there, storing it somehow, and then using it to uh, justify uh, their visit. Yeah. So whatever the case, whatever kind of magic is going on up there at Pine Bush, uh, this is the hotbed for UFOs. And how long have there been sightings and weird things going on in that place? Oh, for over a hundred years, absolutely. Yeah, it's been. I mean, it was really ramped up in the '80s and '90s when we had all the Hudson Valley sightings, and you know, Pine Bush seemed to be like on a direct uh, course um, for these for these crafts that were coming through the Hudson Valley and into Connecticut and stuff like that. But uh, it's been uh, it's been documented. I think Linda Zimmerman documented it in one of her books. It goes back to like the 1800s. Well, and that's when it was documented. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to look at some of the Indian lore in that particular area. Do you know of anything that's been recorded uh, from Aboriginal sources? No, I don't I don't have any any uh, recollection of anything from Native Americans in that area, and no, I'm sorry. Yeah, but that's so cool. And, uh, I, again, you said about the stone chambers. One of my favorite subjects in the uh, New York and New England area, and you said that Pine Bush has uh, 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 a generous helping of those things as well. Yeah, no, they've, 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 uh, they've located a bunch of stone chambers in Pine Bush, and, uh, the, you know, it's right where um, these crafts seem to be hovering, too. At certain Whoa. certain times of the year, they'll right. go over these stone chambers. You know what they're doing over these stone chambers. Nobody really knows, but um, no, they've been spotted over the chambers for sure. Well, what's really interesting also is if you go back to I think uh, besides the fact of all the sightings that have been there in the Hudson Valley, um, which I remember like it was yesterday. I remember watching ABC News and seeing this and asking my dad, hey, can we go up there? And he looked at me, what are you, crazy? Um, besides that, you know, Whitley Strieber, the author, um, his communion book I, basically takes place in a cabin up by Pine Bush. You took the words right out of my mouth. That, yes. was, that was where I was going next. That <laughs> well, was no, that's why we're a good team here. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, and, and if I'm correct, Al, and, and I'm not sure if I am, I believe this stone chamber is on Whitley's property. Or worse than Tabers. And there's another movie that came out. Um, I forgot what it was called. Um, it was the movie they filmed while we were at the, uh, the, that round table. Or they were trying to film there. And they basically, the guy was getting abducted and he's having visitations. And at the end of the movie, he pointed up to the top of the hill. And what's there? A stone chamber. There's some kind of, um, I don't know if they're portals. I don't know what the heck's going on there. But there's a huge connection. And, and Whitley brought that right out in the, in the public. Yeah, and, and there's a connection with the Stone Chambers in Westchester and Putnam County as well with UFO sightings. They always seem to be spotted around bodies of water um, and old mining facilities and Stone Chambers seem to be the three culprits all the time. Yeah, it's odd because a lot of mining in my particular area of the woods, uh, too, uh, you know, this is the hard coal mining area of, uh, of Pennsylvania. So it's very interesting because, like I said, back in the 70s, whenever they could, they, they got all the stuff out of the, the veins that they could possibly do, they started to go into the very invasive strip mining, which took off the top layer of, of the earth. And uh, that's whenever these things were seen in abundance. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. mean you know... I, 
what we do to the Earth definitely has an effect on sometimes these, these sightings coming out and aliens. I'm not really on the the whole general bandwagon with like the um, I'm going to call them earthy crunchies um, <laughs> that are out there like you know uh, we got to do better with this and that. I mean, there's there's certain things in the evolution of a society and a culture that will take place, that have to take place to learn your lesson, otherwise you don't learn anything. So, I mean, with the strip mining that's going on there, there's got to be other minerals. We're missing something. It's kind of like we haven't gotten the formula yet. And once we do, it's almost like free energy possibilities. So it could yeah, be very interesting. Very possible, very possible. And there might be a cover-up on those things as well, too. Yeah, there could be, you know, I mean, I know the military has a, a cave type of um, a bases in, in, you know, Cheyenne Mountain and, and other places. Actually, on the East Coast, there's a ton of them um, that are secretive. But th this is going to be a good, good event up there, Pine Bush. And, I mean, Al, do you know some of the guests that are coming? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, well, we got Ron Murphy, the cryptid guru. Yeah. Uh, the Bronxville Paranormal Society will be there. Um, Bigfoot researchers, the Hudson Valley will be there. Um, uh, let's see, Sullivan Paranormal will be there. Um, then you have the A-listers uh, with um, uh, uh, Mark D'Antonio will be there. Amazing speaker. Uh, uh, yeah, he's a great guy. He's yeah. a funny dude too. Cap uh, on too. <laughs> and uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley will be there. Peter Robbins will be there, and. God, I can't remember this guy's last name. Tom, he's a, the, I believe he's the curator of the Roswell uh, Area 51 Museum. He's setting up a museum in Pine Bush as well, and yep. uh, he will be a speaker as well. I, I wish I could remember his last name. I, I'm sorry, I can't. It's, it's all right. I'm looking it up as we speak because that's what okay. I do. <laughs> 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 I have to. What can I tell you? But I mean, I, I, we we've been there for the last couple of years, and it's just been we we we've knocked it out of the park. We were the ones that actually started the paranormal center, um, which was great. And thanks to Dumani up there, who's uh, the, the the director of of all this and all, all the other events that go on in that area. Um, but it's been fantastic, absolutely out of out of the out of the park type of fantastic. Yeah, I thought you were going to say out of this world, and I was going to say that's right. <laughs> you know, it, but it, it, I mean, it is. It, it has this charm to it because of, of the, the size of the, of the town, the physical size of the town. There's something very charming about it. It's very family-friendly, um, and it's just a fun day. I mean, get out. Stop. Put the computers down. Put your phones down. Walk. You know, you know look around. Uh, buy a book. Meet Ron Murphy. Meet Al Santariga. Meet all these people. Talk to them. Get a book. Buy, buy a book. Get it autographed. I mean, here's some great information that will blow your mind. Yeah. I mean, last year, um, the BPS team didn't present because we were doing more of the organizing than presenting, um, but um, I got to actually go around and talk to everybody last year, which was a fun thing, and pick people's brains, and I can't, I can't tell you how many people I spoke with and how much information I got. It was just information overload from everybody. It was, it was a great time had by all, and it's a fair, you know, so the kids are running around, they got bouncy houses, and, you know, the kids are just running wild. And this year, they're, what they're doing is they're, they're taking the old doctor's house, which is a haunted house in the middle of the town, and they're turning it into a, a museum, a, a paranormal museum, yep. and they're turning it into a UFO museum. 
and they're actually looking for anybody. Um, I might as well put it out there now. They're looking for donations for the museum. Or they're willing to do a lease kind of thing with you if you want to lease uh, anything, any haunted, any items you have, any haunted items, they'll lease it from you for the year because they're going to have the museum open all year long. And they're looking for haunted items and, and backstories. And if anybody has anything, reach, uh, reach out to yep. either me or Dominie Ragney, the town organizer, the events organizer for Pine Bush. And we'll hook you up with the person you need to talk to about getting this stuff to the museum. I must have called 30 30 people yesterday and um, let them know about this because they're because of their items that they're looking for. I'm actually donating two items myself. Very well, cool. I'll tell you, you know, the, that cursed doll you have in the closet, um, <laughs> that no, mirror, no, no. That, that cracked mirror that, that you blame for all your problems, you know, bring these items, you know, the piano that plays, you know, by itself or the one item that if you touch it or take it out of the house, you'll drop dead. Bring that with you. Bring it with you. Just lease it to them. Get it out of your house. And uh, let other people enjoy the misery that you have, uh, have enjoyed so far. But it's, it's fun. I mean, like, where else can you actually donate to something that, that's going to be seen by a lot of people? It's going to be enjoyed by a lot of people. So, it's, I mean, when, when we're going to be doing some stuff there as well uh, as BPS. Um, but it's going to be fantastic. And, Ron, um, the books, there, there's going to be a gift shop there, if I'm correct, Al. And, yeah, you know, and you'll be able to also pick up some of the Ron Murphy's books. So, uh, you know, and, and other people that have books up there, they're, they're going to be putting some, their books in, in the shop for, for sale. So, but you should just come up, meet Ron. Ron is a fantastic person to meet. Al is like a, a gigantic teddy bear. You got to meet Al. <laughs> and, and we're just very personal people. Um, we, oh, I think we always get yelled at. I got yelled at by my wife. Al gets yelled at. We, and I'm sure, Ron, you, you were getting yelled at one point because you could talk to anybody. And That's they hate that. They, like, like, we've got to go. I'm like, but I'm talking to this guy about, you know, boo or whatever. So, but it's, it's a fun event. Um, and, and you forgot to tell him about the, uh, what, what we're going to be doing there at, at night. Oh, yeah. Well, after, after the final speakers speak at the town hall, that's where uh, you know Mark and all those people will be speaking. After the final, the final speaker speaks. We're going to invite everybody who's at the conference and anybody to, who comes to the fair to come with us over to the local park. They have a nice park there. It's really, really dark. It has pavilions. It has benches. It has picnic tables. And we're going to do a CE five, and um, we're going to try to draw in, um, you know, some kind of. Oh, spacecraft, yeah. alien life, or whatever. Now we've we've done two or three of them in the past, and we've been pretty successful. <laughs> we've we've brought in points of light that were not there, and um, we've and you know the, the one that was out of this world. I'm gonna tell. I gotta tell the story. We we um we did one. We were doing the. It was, I think it was the second. No, the third CE five we were doing. Al Al couldn't make it. And I was there, and I'm sitting there, and I, I kind of got a little upset with someone from the group that we were with. So I said, you know, <laughs> doing my thing, the, the remote viewing thing or whatever, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting in contact with these – I'm trying to get in contact with this craft on my own. Uh, they're playing some CE5 uh, stuff from uh, Dr. Greer, which I just – I think it's just garbage. I can't listen to the man speak um, and try to get, you know – 
calm. It doesn't work. So I'm using a, a different type of uh, bi- binormal beats to kind of get myself in the, in, in a, into the zone. And I, I kind of get in cr- touch with this, this craft. It's really a weird experience, right? And you may enjoy it. Um, I uh-huh. literally, I'm, I'm in there and I'm like, where am I? And I'm looking at the earth from outside the earth. Now, this is all taking place in my mind's eye. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I kind of look and I get closer to the window that I'm looking through. And you kind of see a reflection. And I'm technically a gray at this point. I look like one of these gray aliens. And I smile and I see the wrinkles. And then I look to the right of me. And there are other grays there. And there's a Nordic guy there. Someone like looks like, you know, uh, uh, blonde, long blonde hair wearing white. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm actually in a craft. And I look out the window and I can see the earth, but I can see several other crafts there. So I'm trying to communicate and saying that we want to go down there. But one of the things that I do is I tell them that I want you to come down because there are people down there that want to to know you and meet with you and and interact with you. Um, But I don't want this one person to see you. (laughs) So... So what happens is um, they tell me the direction. I kind of see ourselves going into the earth, and literally it looks like we're moving, and we're going down, it gets closer and closer, just like any type of video. And then I start seeing where the bridge is, which is the GW bridge from where our, our distance is, and I tell everybody out there, I'm back in the circle area, I said, it's going to be over there by the GW bridge. So three guys, he goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's going to be over there. I have a green laser, and I circle right about over here. And as soon as I do that, no... A split second, a big bright burst on and off. It boom and off. And we're like, no way. Now, there's, there's air traffic there, but this is something like I've never seen before. So I said, I said, you know, in my head, do it again. And I circled, and it does it again. And then they tell me they're moving. So they start moving up closer to us, and it starts happening. And all this is taking place. And in the back of my head, I'm like, I wish Al was here. Al would love this at this point. <laughs> but he wasn't there. But... Thankfully, there were seven people that saw this and witnessed this event. So it, it, wow. it's, it's amazing. I'm, I have such high hopes for the CE5, and I know Al but you But you forgot to tell him the best part. Well, go ahead. The, the one person who he didn't want to see the, uh, <laughs> to see the craft didn't see it. Didn't see She's, it. She couldn't see it. And I interviewed the seven other people, so I'm validating what Brian says. I interviewed everybody that was there. And everybody's seen it, but this one person. It's just mind, but mind-boggling. Just absolutely it just, mind-boggling. It just she got a little smoke in my ears, and I was like, you know what? You don't deserve this at this point. So, but what what I liked about when things, events like this happen, Ron, and you know, when you when you when you witness something, I, I Al, Al will tell you when we go with some people that that are non-believers and they see and witness something, it's the best evidence possible because it validates everything you've been doing. It does. That's absolutely true. Uh, It's a passion of yours. It is something that really occupies a great deal of your life. Uh, You're not getting any money for it. And whenever you have an event like this, it validates everything and everything becomes worth it. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely worked, worked it, absolutely. I mean, if we were getting money for it, Al's wife would be happy, my wife would be happy. <laughs> I, I, I would still You'd be married. Be happy. You'd still be married. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and I know there are tons of fans listening right now who are just going, nodding their heads, uh-huh, uh-huh. And that goes for both ends of the spectrum. It's not husband, just husbands alone. It's husbands and there's the wives that are into it, you know. That the husband's like, you're crazy, <laughs> you know. Like, who's crazy? The one that married me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, one of the coolest things I, we got to do this because we we have so you know we do have some time here, but Al's got some great UFO stories. 
No, we have to listen to these. Yeah. I, I, what do, you, do you want to start at the merit or you want to start at, at anything other than the merit? Because I think. Well, I could start. I, well, well, let me start at the beginning when okay. I was 10, and then I'll jump way ahead to the merit. You've got a and, good uh, half an hour to go, so let's go. Okay. And we'll so, ask you questions, too. All right. So here I am. I'm, I'm living in South Yonkers. Um, I'm 10 years old, hanging out with my best friend, Richie. Um, my father has an A-frame garage. And me and Richie are sitting on the garage roof, listening to like the local rock station. He's facing uh, south. I'm facing north on the A-frame, and we're just sky watching. We're ten years old, and we're sky watching. And all of a sudden, I start seeing these points of light, for better, for lack of a better definition, start doing figure eights in the sky on the northern sky. So I have Richie come over to my side and we're looking at this and we're blown away because it's so far up there. Of course, you can see the, all the plane traffic from New York City and New Jersey and everything, but this diesel points of light are way above that and they're doing figure eights and I, I get this bright idea. It's like my father's got a, a, a huge crabbing flashlight that he uses when he goes down to Tom's River. I'm going to go get the flashlight out of the garage, come up back on the roof, and I do a little Morse code, you know, to see if I can make contact. And um, hand to God, all of a sudden, these three or four crafts that are doing figure eights, they just stop dead in the sky. And one does, <laughs> one does the same code back. So now we're freaking out. Me and Richie are freaking out. So Richie's excited. He wants to do it. So I said, sure. I give him the flashlight. And he does, a, he does a Morse code, you know, a little bit different than what I did. And this one craft that was in the middle of the other ones just drops straight out of the sky. It goes from, you know, 100,000 feet up in the air to 20,000 feet, just, just above the, the planes, the plane uh, course where the planes out of the city are flying. The, the path of the planes. It's just above that. and it, But, you know, to us, originally it looked like a point of light. Now it's so much closer. It's this huge um, circular craft with this light underneath it. And it, hit, it does the same um, Morse code back that Richie did. So now, we, you know, we're 10 years old. We freak out, right? We jump off the roof. I grab the flashlight. He grabs the radio. We run in my room, and we hide under my bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> because, you know, we're 10 years old. We're freaking out. Now we think we're going to get abducted or something. And, and that's, that was really, and to God, my very first UFO sighting. And that's how it all started. And, you know, over the years... I would wake up with nosebleeds, a lot of nosebleeds, and, you know, didn't know why, didn't know how, never put anything together, didn't think anything of it, just, you know, nosebleeds. And um, when I was older, we, I was um, one night I was working down in Westchester, and I'm cruising up the Merritt Parkway. I just got a 1984 um brand new uh, Mustang and I'm cruising up the Merritt Parkway and I'm headed north towards Trumbull, Connecticut because that's where I was living at the time. My brother had a house in northern North Bridgeport right on the border of, uh, by the Trumbull Mall and he had a three-family house and he was actually upstairs in my apartment painting my apartment for me listening to the radio when he hears about a UFO coming over the city of Bridgeport off of the sound the Long Island Sound. 
So he runs out and he's listening to the radio and it's saying it's going this way and it's going that way. And he's trying to find it. He's racing all over the streets of Bridgeport and Trumbull. And uh, he goes to the highest point of the town, which is like St. Barnabas School or something like that. And he's up there with his camera. He thinks he's going to get the smoking gun picture of this this giant UFO. But by the time he got to that location, the UFO had started going south. Now, here I am. I'm going north up to the Merritt Parkway, just cruising 65 miles an hour, listening to the Yankee game, and uh, I'm coming home from work. And I get to this point on the parkway where the car starts to putter. And I'm like, oh, man, what's going on? So I said, let me get off the parkway, and I get the car onto onto the grass. And I get onto the grass, and the car just dies. And I noticed down at the bottom of the hill, I'm at the top of this hill, I noticed at the bottom of this hill, it's a parking lot. There's cars on both sides of the, of the parkway. No one's moving. People are, are, are standing outside the car, and they're looking around, and they're looking up, and they're looking all over the place. And I see a, a state trooper, Connecticut state trooper, on the, on the grass. So I said, let me go down there and tell him my car just died. Maybe get me a tow truck or something. So as I walk down there, I'm not looking up yet, and I'm looking down, and everybody, and I'm thinking there's like a motorcycle accident, you know, and that's why all these cars are stopped. So I'm looking for a, a bike or a body or something. I don't see anything. I get I get down to the trooper, and he's looking up, and I look up, and there above the parkway is like a mothership. Okay, picture the Roman Colosseum with all its archways over. Four lanes of parkway, an island in the middle, and grass on both sides. And and I and I he, and I I look up and I say to him and I said, well, "What do you think that is?" And he gives me this look like he wants to kill me. And he says, "What do you?" Well, he goes, "What do you think it is?" I says, "It looks like a UFO to me." And he goes, "That's exactly what it is." And here's this giant mothership UFO. It's like it just came down and somebody put it in park. And it's just parked, (laughs) parked in the sky. And there's people, no one's running around like it's the end of the world. Everybody is looking up at this thing, and they're in amazement. They're dumbfounded. There's no mad hysteria. Everybody, there's like an actual calming feeling. This craft is not making any noise. It's not blowing the trees or the leaves off the trees. It's not doing anything. But it's lit up on the bottom like a ring of lights on the bottom. And I'm looking at it, and I see all these, what I would describe as windows, which would be like the Roman Coliseum archways that go all the way up. And they just go, I don't know how many stories it went up. 12 stories, I don't know how many. But I'm looking into these archways, thinking that they're windows, and I'm seeing if I could see anybody looking out. But I don't see anybody looking out. And we're just sitting there, and we're looking. He's trying his radio that he's got attached to his shoulder, but he's not getting anything on the radio. And then after maybe 10, 15 minutes of this thing just sitting there, and the cars are just stopping. When they get to a certain point, everybody's cars just die, so the traffic is really starting to build up on the parkway. It's really getting big on both sides. And then in a blink of an eye, it shoots up like a 1,000 feet. It just, boom, just bounces up a 1,000 feet again. No sound, no wind, no nothing. It just goes from zero to a thousand miles an hour in, in like a split second. Now, as it moves up, 
the cars are all starting up again. Everybody, <laughs> yeah, all the cars are starting up. The trooper's radio is working. He calls his dispatch. I'm standing right next to this guy. I'm listening in. I'm eavesdropping. And he's saying, uh, could you scramble to um, Air National Guard jets from Bridgeport Airport? I have a UFO over the parkway between these two exits. Um, you know, and so the, the truth, so the dispatcher says, okay, we're scrambling to whatever, two jets from Bridgeport and, and these jets are coming down the parkway. And now he's, he's talking to the main pilot, the lead pilot. And the lead pilot says, you know, we got all this, we got like 20 miles of uh, view. We can see 20 miles ahead of us. We don't see anything in the sky. You know, there's nothing showing up on the radar. And the trooper's like, well, this thing is still here. You know, maybe you guys can't see it, but it's here. Just keep coming and you'll run into it, you know. So they're coming down the parkway. And then all of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, this craft goes up straight up. Boom. And it's gone. Just blink of an eye. Gone. It's, it's like at star level now. Now the two fighter jets come roaring down the parkway side by side, and it feels like the end of the world. The ground is shaking. The trees are sh blowing. The leaves are flying everywhere. I mean, they blow. They go over us. They turn around. They come back north up the parkway, and they head back. And, they, you know, and you can hear the pilot talking to the, to the trooper saying, we don't see anything. There's nothing. You know, we, we haven't seen anything. There's nothing on radar. And, and, and the trooper is saying, yeah, well, uh, you know, a second before you guys got here, this thing just went up like a, to a thousand, you know, uh, 100,000 feet in the blink of an eye, and it just left, you know. And they leave. And I race home because I know my brother's into this. And I go <laughs> kicking in the front door. And my brother's coming in the back door. And he's telling me, you won't believe it. There was a UFO over, over Bridgeport. I'm telling him, you won't believe what I just seen over the park. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like freaking out because he wanted to get a picture of it, you know. And back then, nobody had cell phones. Yeah. So, you know, this is 1984. So nobody had cell phones. <laughs> and so nobody got a picture of it. And... He um, he actually wrote a book, and he researched it, and he talked to the DJ who's seen it, and but um, he couldn't. The station wouldn't allow him copies of the tapes that the DJ actually made while he was live on the air recording this UFO encounter, because they. I guess the government got to him and said, you know, you can't let this stuff out or whatever. But um, that was one of many sightings but that was that was that was a mothership man that thing was huge and it didn't make any noise and it was it was amazing to be in the presence of that especially when you see all the people that were out on in, on the parkway and nobody is screaming or running around like a chicken without a head thinking it's you know war of the worlds and, and you know we're all about to die and it just had a very calming effect on everybody that was out there very amazing, just an amazing, what, what amazing. I, what I love about this is every time he tells a story, it's the same thing I think of. I think of that that scene in um, Close Encounters when they're atop Devil's Tower, and the the big mothercraft comes down, and just people just in awe, uh, absolute awe. 
Um, today, unfortunately, I think most of the kids or the younger people today would be like, oh, that's CGI. You know, like, <laughs> they would just say it right off the bat. That's CGI. That's photoshopped. How can you photoshop reality, buddy? Um, I don't think people would believe it. They wouldn't even believe it. They'd think it was some fake thing or a promotion for uh, some kind of movie coming out or Alien 14. But oh, I mean, yeah, like, some kind of hologram or something. Absolutely, yeah. What's, what's amazing about this is the mass amount of people that have seen it that they, you know, um, there's no reports of this thing. I mean, I think we've looked everywhere for a report of this. There's virtually no reports, like like it never existed. And but that's more skeptical, especially when when you go to interview a guy who's broadcasting this stuff right on the air live, and they make the station take it down. Um, it's it's really bizarre, and I think it has a lot of credibility to the fact that this actually took place. I don't know. Yeah, it was. It's very. It was. It was just amazing, just to see something that big. We're gonna get. Yeah, we're gonna get run abducted. Sky. Oh yeah. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, know. the same thing happened in Kecksburg. You know, Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, over on this side. Uh, it was being broadcast on uh, you know KDKA uh, radio out of Pittsburgh, and they send newspapers there. And it's one of those things that just kind of gets swept underneath the uh, uh, underneath the rug. It's it's one of those things that can vanish. And there are forces out there that can make these news stories vanish. And the people too. Depending on what you're talking about. Correctly, that that, yeah. that reporter um, had an accident when he was on vacation in California. In California, died. that's absolutely yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was just a pedestrian. A car jumps the uh, the uh, the sidewalk. Uh, yeah, never hears from the the driver or uh, Mr. Uh, Murphy again. And the reporter's name, uh, no relation. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, hit, a hit and run, and they never caught the driver. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah. You know, th- this is why you know a lot of people get into this subject. It's it's not the just the, the whole alien side of it. It is the the controversy, the conspiracy theory, and I think we should change conspiracy theory to conspiracy fact. Um, there's there's too much going on. There's too many different questions going on that that it becomes fact. I mean, these, this world is getting so vast and so connected. Uh, I think they they just said now that people have an eight second attention span. <laughs> Seriously, just think about that. that that's it, it. Actually, is a pretty long period of time, but not as long as you would think. And I, I mean. There's no way they can keep hiding all this stuff. So if something has to give eventually, um, I'm hoping it. I'm hoping it gives, and I'm hoping it's it's at the terms of these uh, these races of of aliens instead of our government stepping in and trying to prove it. Yeah, well, technic- technology has everybody looking down. Nobody looks up anymore. So the next generation, no, well, they won't even see it if if it happens. If it's over their heads, they won't even see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a very good point. I never thought of it in that way, and, and that is true. Uh, unless it's being broadcast live someplace, nobody's going to care what's going on around them. Oh, yeah, it's got, it's got to be being broadcast li- uh, live on Facebook Live. That's <laughs> right. It could be over their heads, but they'll yeah. watch it on Facebook Live. They won't look up, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's, it's a strange world we live in where people go to concerts and rather look at their screen on their phone instead of the concert to film it. <laughs> <laughs> I see that all the time. Or people are time. drowning or getting beaten up. They're like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. And they're looking at the screen watching somebody get beaten up when they should really be, you know, put the phone down and, and, and stop, that, stop that from taking place. But that's another show. 
That's yeah, not that's our not show. show. We're paranormal. <laughs> we're, we're, we're the strange and, and stuff of nightmares. Um, you, can you go into the, um, uh, the one where you were coming back with your daughter? From, oh, um, okay. All right. So, well, that, there's actually well, two parts to that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, 1994, my daughter was just born. I'm living in Yonkers, New York, and I'm working at the post office in North Yonkers. And me and my friend, will call him uh, Kevin, for lack of a better name. And uh, we're sitting outside the post office. We're the last two guys to leave. And we're talking, what else? UFOs. And Kevin, you know, has this feeling that he's been abducted. And we're just shooting the breeze. It's it's a it's cold December night. I mean, so bitterly cold, but there's no wind, so you don't really feel it. It's crisp out. And I'm, I decide I'm going to mess with Kevin. We see this star in the sky to the south of us that looks like it's blinking. Now, I'm going to be brutally honest. I thought it was just high a- atmospheric clouds going past the star, giving it right. that appearance of blinking. So what I do is I go to my car, which is facing south, and I put on the high beams, and I do a Morse code. Okay, <laughs> I do a Morse code. Uh, hand to God. This thing starts coming towards us. Okay? Now it's blinking and it's coming towards us. Kevin's freaking out. And I'm just telling him to relax because we don't know what it is. And it, it gets to about 100 yards away from us. And it stops. And we still can't make it out. It's just at this point, it's just a bright light. And it drops three red balls out of the bottom of the craft. And you see these balls just floating down behind the tree line because the trees don't have any leaves on them. And as they get to a certain height, they just blink off one after the other, after the other. Now we're so amazed at these three red balls because I've never seen anything like that. And we're just locked into these three red balls and we're looking at them. And then we start looking at each other and like, what happened? Where did they go? Did it just blinked out? And something tells me to look up. So I look up, and there, maybe 50 feet above the building, which is about maybe 50 feet high, so 100 feet above our heads, is a triangle-shaped craft directly above us. And it's, I mean, it's so close that I could probably hit it with a rock. And we're looking at this craft, and it's looking at us, and Kevin is freaking out just freaking out and he's trying to get back into the building and i'm telling him whatever you do don't go back into that building you're going to set off the silent alarm (laughs) and the postal inspectors are going to arrest us both you know what i mean yeah and so i'm trying to keep him from choosing the combination to get back into the building because he's freaking out and this thing is is sitting above us It's it's not making any sound there's no sound there's no wind there's no nothing. And he's trying to rational it out. Oh, maybe it's a stealth bomber. And I'm like, really, Kev? A stealth bomber? <laughs> Just parked in the sky, not making any noise, 100 feet above our heads. I said, it doesn't even have the same shape as a stealth bomber. You know what I mean? And well, just looking at this thing. When it turns, but it turns like it's on an axis. It just turns perfectly around. And it's this gunmetal gray or, you know, for lack of a better definition. And it starts to glide back across the field from where we were. And if you would have blinked your eyes 
you would have lost it in the night sky. That's how well it was camouflaged Blended in the in night nice. sky. Oh, my God. It was amazing. And I tried not to blink my eyes to see where it was going. But after it's like 100 yards or so, I did blink. And then once I blinked, I couldn't find it anymore because at that point, it shut its bot light off. Whatever light it had on underneath the craft, it shut off. And you just couldn't see it. And... Kevin jumped on the parkway and he ra- he raced north up the parkway and I raced south down the parkway and I said let's see who it follows you know <laughs> <laughs> when I got home I lived on the top of a, a high hill it's called No Dine Hill and uh, we lived on the third floor of a, a three family house I went up on the roof with my binoculars because it to me it was headed south and that was the way I was going and I checked the night sky out but I couldn't see anything. And that was just amazing to see these three. Per- and the red, on, I can't explain that the red on this ball were so pure. The color was so pure. Right. that and, uh, and, and from them, they just blink off. And when they went off, it was like a, a magic show. They just disappeared. You couldn't see them anymore. Uh, fast forward 10 years later, I'm living 100 miles north in Dutchess County. And my, my daughter is now 10 years old, and we're coming back from a, a martial arts class, a father-daughter martial arts class, and cruising up the road. We're going up Route 376, north up Route 376. My daughter's sitting in the back seat, and she says, Dad, there's a UFO following us. So I start laughing. I was like, Amanda, what makes you think there's a UFO following us? And she's like, well, this bright light has been following us ever since we left the karate school. And, I, you know, I, and she, she was insisting it was a UFO. And I'm laughing. I'm a 10-year-old kid. What does she know about UFOs, right? And I said, no, there's a, the, the local county airport is on this road. It's probably just a plane or a helicopter going towards the airport because it had this big bright light on it. But it was getting a little suspicious to me because I'm catching red lights and I'm catching stop signs. And this thing is never passing me. At some point, this thing has, should have passed me. Right. Instead, it stayed right on our rear bumper. Like, it was following us. We eventually, we get to the airport. And we make a hard right. We go north towards my town where I live in the town of LaGrange. And this thing makes a hard left at the airport. And it looks like it's going south towards Manhattan. And I tell her, I said, see, it was probably just a helicopter. Yeah, it's just no a plane, big deal. Honey. Just a plane, <laughs> just a plane. Five minutes later, ten minutes later, we pull into the driveway at our house, and she jumps out of the car. She's the first one out of the car. I'm messing around with the car, and she starts screaming hysterically. So I get out. You know, and I live on a cul de sac. There's no lights on my block. It's pitch black at night. If the sensor lights on the on the in the driveway don't go off you can't see your hand in front of your face she jumps out and she starts screaming hysterically i jump out what's the matter you know what's going on she says dad look above the house and there's a triangle ufo sitting above my house just parked (laughs) above my house it's that same gunmetal gray and it's just sitting there so i tell her run inside get your mother she runs inside. My wife comes out with my son, and they're standing on a deck. And my wife goes, what's, what's going on? And I tell her to look up. And she looks up, and she sees this craft, you know, 
50 feet above the roof. She grabs my son and she runs inside. So everybody's running and I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing <laughs> over my house? Yeah. You know, now I'm, I'm actually pissed at this point because it's parked over my house. You know what I mean? So then it starts to move and it, it just floats over me. It makes a hard left when it gets to our street. It goes about 100 street is got 100 yards straight away. It goes down to the end of the block. At the end of the block, there are power lines. It stops over the power lines, and it drops out three red balls. Now, I'm freaking out because I've seen this three red balls before, 10 years earlier when my daughter was born. So I run in the house. I grab my cell phone. I tell my wife, call me every five minutes. I'm going to see what dropped out of this UFO. I grab my German Shepherd. He's a 125-pound German Shepherd. I grab my German Shepherd, my Maglite, and my Samurai Sword. There it because is. There I, it is. I my don't favorite. know. I don't know what I'm going to encounter in these woods because we have <laughs> black bear up here. We have coyotes. We have koi dogs. You know, and, I'm, and I know recently they've spotted mountain lions. But I'm going to be in the woods at night. I want to make sure I can protect myself from the natural predators that are in the woods. So I have my samurai sword. We go. I walk into the woods to the power lines. And there's a, it's a trail under the power lines because all the kids ride their dirt bikes and quad runners up and down. And so you could go. And I'm looking for any broken branches that these red balls may have broken on the way down. There's plenty of leaf litter on the ground because, again, this is in December. And, in, and again, it's a super freezing cold night, but there's no wind, so it doesn't feel that cold. But it, the temperature is only like 21 degrees. And I walked a mile up that power line, north up the power line, and south down the power line. My wife called me every five minutes to stay in touch. I'm looking for smoldering balls on the ground, rocks. I'm looking for a leaf litter that may be smoldering. I'm looking for broken branches. I don't find anything, nothing. I go back and forth. Eventually, I go home, and I tell my wife, I don't know. I don't know what this thing was. I don't know what it dropped out. But whatever it dropped out never made it to the ground because I can't find anything. And uh, that blew my mind because my daughter felt it was a UFO right from the start. That's pretty weird that she's, you know, she said UFO, and, and being given her age and and I don't think you were, I mean, we were all, all of us investigate this stuff and we're totally into it. I mean, Ron, your mom got you on Bigfoot hunts, which was fantastic. That's right. Kudos to mom on that. But in general, unless it wasn't so popular or prevalent, um, the, the thought of aliens and UFOs and, and whatever, it, it came in and went. So, but today, I mean, it's a different story that, you know, you could, there could be 10 UFO stories a, a day just in the local area. Um, so for her to say UFO, is pretty pretty interesting and and uh, you know i always we talk about this all the time like i don't recall any well i do recall one point of having missing time um and he was involved in it i was there for that one too <laughs> and i'm good with it and when around we invent uh we, we talked to derek uh, uh tyler uh from his book and I, I mentioned some stuff to him he goes if you don't have bad memories if you don't have memories of this leave it alone you don't go and, and regress yourself that's like opening up a can of worms. So I don't think any of your family has any memories of this. Um, and it's a good thing, but 
you you definitely have. He's like the alien whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Bud Hopkins said the same thing. Bud Hopkins said, if you're not having any uh, nightmares at night and and you don't have any uh, any flashbacks and you're not have and you can live with what happened with the experience, knowing that you were abducted but not knowing what happened, then leave it alone and don't. Don't open up a can of worms. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, that's why I'll never get regress. I, I mean, I mean, my, what, my brother wants me to go for regressive oh, hypnosis no. No. in the worst way. No. My brother thinks I'm chipped because I've had so many UFO sightings during the course of my life. Well, it's not only uh, because you had the UFO sightings; it's because whenever time you go through Easy Pass, it says, "Okay, paid." I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, and I don't have an Easy Pass. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know, Ron. Would, I mean, if you experience missing time, would you want to go and, and regress yourself? If you absolutely to- not, because what happened in that time that's missing is better left, you know, uh, out of my mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, it's really great. One of our our friends and 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 the, uh, Dave Scott. He, he keeps throwing these questions up. What's the, you know, haunt stuff. And he said uh, something about having a UFO experience. Would you want to have one? Um, what would your, your, you know, the words be after you had a, a, a UFO abduction? Um, and I don't think, you know, everybody's putting up these, um, like, you know, like cheesy type of like, oh, that was fantastic, whatever. I don't think people would be fantastic with it. I think it's more of like mutual life, uh, wildlife Omaha's uh, wild kingdom where they grab the cheetah, wrestle its ass down to the ground, and then tag it like 15 times. I, I don't think I want to go through that. I don't want to remember that type of stuff. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, you know, I mean, this has been a fantastic show. Where, you know, it's all about UFOs and aliens and sightings. Ron, we're going to get you abducted. Uh, come yeah, well, us. you know, not, not abducted, but it's just such a fascinating topic. And I will tell you that every time we have Al on the show, these, these shows just fly past. They do. <laughs> well, it's, it's Al. I mean, you know, we, we, Al and I were going to go on a show, and someone said, hey, do you think you can do, like, uh, an hour? And, and Al and I know we get... Give me an hour. We could do five hours, you know, because we have such a knowledge base on, on the subject matter. And so does Ron. I mean, Ron, if, if they, someone came to you and said, hey, do you think you can fill in an hour? You'd be like, yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, but UFOs, this is your, your guys' uh, expertise right here. And uh, as, as somebody that's, you know, a, a sitting here listening to you guys talk, uh, you paint quite a vivid picture. And, and I really appreciate the input because the uh, the UFO uh, marketplace is really not my strong point. Well, it may be after Pine Bush. <laughs> That's very true. It you may, may be, be writing a, You may be yeah. writing a new book. <laughs> a new series of books. Yeah, there you go. And on <laughs> UFOs. I, I can see it now. I mean, and especially one of the key tells, if this man that we have on right now, if he says, my ear's ringing, Hold on to your socks because you're going to have an experience. And that's usually a tell. Um, and that was a tell at Nuclear Lake. But we can go into and it. I'll, and I'll be wearing my um, UFO stone that night. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. We're, yeah. dude, if we, hey, listen, whoever gets abducted first, just go grab my wallet from the craft. <laughs> Get my car keys. Get my car keys. <laughs> and tell Zabbot he owes me 15 lekka. <laughs> <laughs> And then tell oh, the Cerulean babe that I do love oh her. Gosh. I just have other priorities. You're out of control, Brian. You're out of control. <laughs> I always joke about it. I always joke about it. He comes in, he goes, you know, I had a nosebleed. I'm like, I'm like, well, listen, when you're up there, get my wallet. I left my, my wallet up there. It, you don't know. And, and I don't want to know. You know, I honestly don't want to know. I don't want to know if, if I'm, I'm abducted or not. 
Um, I don't want. I, I just let's leave it alone. I mean, and I tell him, and I've told you, Ron, about uh, my kids come up with some strange stuff, and I don't normally talk about this stuff I, at all. I, I never was talking about it with them because of fear of, of scaring them to a certain degree. And, Absolutely. And you don't want to. I mean, like, come on. Uh, you know, they're very young, but they start drawing pictures and they start talking about these things when they shouldn't know a thing about it because we don't watch anything about it. They're not around when we discuss it, and there's got to be some kind of connection there. So, I don't, I don't yeah, there, know. there definitely has to be, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I, that, I, I think it's in the DNA. I'll be brutally honest with you. I really do. You know, I, I just have this vision of like, like you know, Ron's probably has been abducted, and if you go up there, there's, there's these little gray aliens with beards running around. <laughs> <laughs> All they of took us. Some DNA. Yeah, that would be nice. You know, uh, I mean, I don't know. You could be, you, you could meet the love of your life up in an alien craft. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and uh, she's a uh, three foot four and gray. Yeah, but you know what? The separation, the distance, makes you long for each other. So <laughs> <laughs> I would spend countless hours staring into her huge eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's light years between us, baby. Um, well, with that in mind and, and our craziness before we get out of control and we get banned from everybody, we've got about, uh, about a two minutes left or less than that. Wow. So, yeah, it, I mean, I want to thank Al for coming on. Um, he's a great guy. Go go check out BoxelParanormalSociety.com. Um, you can check out the YouTube page. Um, Al, you're available at BPS, the hotline. Um, yes. You know, he's always available, and we're always getting these cases and, and strange things. And uh, between the UFOs and me uh, volunteering Al for numerous things, like <laughs> like the New York State UFO Project and also the Dogman Project, I mean, it, he hates me. I, I also volunteered him for another program when uh, we did Black Swamp to be get guests for them. <laughs> so I'm probably going to be dead or ritually killed up there at Pine Bush, but it's going to be fun, Ron. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, guys. I'm looking forward more than anything just being in the same room with both of you guys. Oh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun day. There's right. gonna be, hopefully the weather will hold out. It'll be a nice, warm, beautiful spring day, and we'll get we'll get ten thousand people this year instead of five thousand. And that's a lot of book you know, sales. And it's you know, <laughs> just meet meet all the celebrities and yep. everybody else. From what I understand, Brian, you you and Rosemary know each other from um, the Mothman. Uh, conference, right? That, that is absolutely true. Yes, sir. Yeah, and she's a sweetheart. She really is a sweetheart. A, a wonderful researcher and just a genuine person. That's oh, correct. Yes. She's fantastic. When I, when, I, when I reached out to her yesterday about the haunted items, she gave me John Zaffis's number. She told me to call John <laughs> Zaffis. Johnny. He's got a yeah, whole museum I, filled and, with and I, them. And I did. And uh, John said he actually had already spoke to the guy from the museum, oh. but he's, he's not going to he, he wasn't going to donate anything because he didn't want to break up his collection. So well, it's it is like, what it's it like is. baseball cards, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, our time is out, gentlemen. So uh, we have to bid a fair adieu. Mr. Murphy, Professor Murphy, can you take us out of the Goblin Universe for today? Uh, so I will. And, and, yep. I'll tell you what, guys. I had a great time with uh, with both uh, uh, you, uh, L, and with Brian. Uh, listening to your stories uh, and listening to the kind of things we're going to get uh, to see up there in Pine Bush, I cannot wait. But for for now, we were going to have to uh, uh, say goodbye. So uh, for Inside the Goblin Universe, I am Ron Murphy. I'm Sir Brian Bowden, and we'll see you next week. Dive into the ancient mythologies found around the world and tread through nearly forgotten legends 
as the crypto guru Ronald Murphy set sail on his quest for mermaids. Travel through history and wade through the vast expanses of time and space as the author seeks to uncover why these beguiling creatures are so pervasive in human culture. On Mermaids, an exploration of mermaid folklore from ancient origins to modern culture is now available at Amazon.com. And be sure to attend the lecture that accompanies this book at the Cryptozoological Conference hosted by Lauren Coleman in Portland, Maine, summer 2018.